You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains that in Genesis, the sun and the moon are emasculated by the author, and the heavens, looked upon as the realm of the gods, are brought down to the level of the earth. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. So this function of the heavens and earth and the separation and the waters above, you don't hear its full value, to put it this way. It has a value in Genesis 1. Otherwise, the text doesn't make sense. But its full value will be heard later. And that is what I'm trying to do in revisiting this introduction. It has enough to draw your attention to figure out the setting, but not the full value. And people do that with literature, friends. You know very well that classic books are read the first time and the second time and the third time. You know, you pay a lot of money to go and attend a play in New York City and then you say let's go and see it another time and that brings to mind the story I mean I learned this gentleman his wife was a member of my parish he obviously got married in the church but he wouldn't go to church but I would see him at least once a year when I bless their home and now and then and I'll never forget my first conversation with him I learned from him more than he learned from me. He told me about that famous book by Melville about Ahab and the whale, what is the name of Moby Dick. And I'm quoting him, may he rest in peace. He said, this is the book that I read many times and I'm still reading and every time I discover a new twist to the matter. And with all due respect to Moby Dick, I don't think it compares with scripture, but we are entitled to our own opinion on these blessed shores. But that's a statement made by someone who was an engineer who earned his living working, not with literature. That's what he said. And I know that you do that yourself, since I don't like reading anything but scripture, but I do this with TV shows. Like nowadays, you know, I'm fed up with this new TV shows, you know? so I'm re-watching Longmire, and I'm enjoying every bit of it, because you just... Submit, it is done in Wyoming in conjunction with Indian reservations. It's not done in New York City. So you get along with it 
and you try to get the maximum out of it. And the earthly and heavenly waters function as one element, and it is already way before the flood, as I mentioned earlier, but let's revisit that, in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 2. When no plant of the field was yet, for the road has not caused rain upon the floor, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Okay, you have it already there, and then you have to wait until the flood, for in seven days I will send rain, which is exactly the same hifail mamtir that you heard in Genesis 2. Okay, in Arabic we have it, Amtara. 14 days where and living that I have will be bolotlot up. However, in the description of the actual flood, we hear of the two sources of waters. And you heard them before, but I'm going to reread them to bring out another point. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month of the 17th day of the month, all the fountains of the great deep, and we have Tohom, the deep that was in Genesis 1-2, exactly the same word. And the windows of the heavens were opened. Notice the differentiation. Come forth and were opened. And rain fell in Hebrew, woes upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. But notice the deep suddenly. In the conclusion, we have something very interesting. I read it earlier, but I didn't make my comment. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God made a wind blow over the earth and the water subsided. Okay? And the wind, it is ruah, which is translated as spirit in Genesis 1-2. You see how in Hebrew you hear the connection. But suddenly, the text is speaking about spirit, which suddenly becomes the Holy Spirit for theologians. And here is just the wind. And we do the same thing with the exodus, the wind that dried the earth. And that's very dangerous, according to me. And my classic example, again for the hearers, is how RSV has three different words in English for the same word, ruach, in Ezekiel. Spirit with uppercase S, spirit with lowercase S, and wind. But let me go back to the text. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. Notice in 7.11, the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. We have two verbs. At the end, very nicely, the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. Wow. The rain from the heavens was restrained. All this is technical, according to me. In other words, you have one action. The two are brought together. 
and the waters receded from the earth continually at the end of 150 days the waters had abated okay so it's uh, what shall I say plus okay let me tease my hearers that the rain of the heavens was restrained in the Hebrew it's the passive of kala but this kala is an aleph not a he which is different from the other kala that we met about the finished okay we're restrained so at the end both waters have the same effect positive or negative depending on the circumstances and work in unison the unisonness if you like is underscored at the end you have one verb for both and when it comes to the waters below and the earth although different in nature wet versus dry the wet always threatening the dry and I'm underscoring this never vice versa still they relate to each other symbiotically very interesting now as I say in my class let me use the podcast I'm retired now I can say whatever I want you have an interrelationship but then if scripture was written by an extraterrestrial who was more dolphin like and written to the dolphins then it would have been reversed because the dolphins can go out on the dry land or will take a turtle but the situation would have been reversed it's the earth that is threatening the domain of the seas there we go that's what I mean by functional but from your perspective as hearer on the domain of the dry land the water is always has this double function threatening and giving life remember how physiology tells us that in the womb of our mothers we are like a fish we don't have lungs yet and so on as over waters but if it is too much that's not good in Guantanamo they use waterboarding you know that's not good but give me some water to drink that's a different matter but is there a difference between the two waters no functionally there is a difference but not in the waters themselves so this symbiosis between earth and water it's very important there is no livable earth without the waters of the sea and rivers and the subterranean waters in other words the earth is never separated from the waters and that is an extra reason for me 
to guess why the author did not use the word hibdil. He said, let the waters gather together or be gathered together so that the land can appear. These are just pushed aside, as it were, to be gathered together, yiqawu, into one place, to allow the earth to appear. Which goes to happen when? A few verses later, during the flood. Now, again, I'm showing you the connection functionally between these two passages. And more in tune with the original, not to appear, but to be seen, the nifal, passive form of the verb ra'a, see. Hence the use of mikwe, verbal noun from qawa, to describe the waters that are called by God sea or seas. Okay, let's go back to the text. 110. God called the dry land earth, which is the Yabasha, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. Notice, he's using the same exact terminology that he used before. That, for me, has to be noticed. You cannot gloss over it. This is what he called seas. Okay, because the water was already there. But the gathered water in one place was not there. So it needs a name. Okay, very important. So the phraseology of Genesis 1, 9 through 13 concerning the appearance is intelligent in that it reflects factuality as well as actuality of the matter. The symbiosis between dry land and seas which parallels the symbiosis between darkness and light, night and day. Remember, night and day, they have one totality, which is day. The earth and the seas make a unity. Notice how we today refer to our planet, the earth, although three quarters, it is water. Now, if you ask the dolphins, they would call it somewhere something else. It's the perspective of the reality as it is lived out, not essential, eternal reality, like the eternal light of the fathers and the orthodox. Light is light. Just as night and day, two opposites, are conjoined to form a totality that is referred to as day, night plus day is day. The upper hand is given to the light day that God has brought up as opposite to the darkness night that already was there. Correct? He does the same thing with the waters and the dry land because the waters were already there. 
It is the dry land that came about. And he gives priority to the dry land. It is through the naming that the reality comes about in scripture. We shall see this in Genesis 2 with the man naming the animals. It's not that they were not there before he named them. But you describe the function of something. It's like you refer to two human beings. This is a mason and this was a carpenter. And then comes the philosopher Nadim Tarazi. But aren't there both human beings essentially? (laughs) That's not what we were discussing. We are pointing out something. My hearer's attention is drawn to the fact that the two verbs that reflect making or which is asa and manufacturing which is bara or whatever are not found in the description of day one and three related to the institution of the daily cycle and the emergence of the dry land. Interesting. Whereas they abound in the description of days two, four, five, and six. Now people tell me, but the difference is that there he said, let there be light, but he does the same thing in all days. But even when he does that, it's followed by a description. So here again, it's striking. But it is striking for our ears, but it fits the text. Because darkness and waters are there in verse 2. They are not made or created by God in Genesis 1. So the author is unbelievably logical. It is as though the two basic components of human and animal life as we know and experience it, the daily cycle of night and day, time, and the human, animal, and vegetation space as a symbiosis between earth and sea, were not made created by God. Rather, they were already there, yet it is God who rendered them functional for the human animal and vegetation of his chapter one. Now, my hearers, you have to make the effort to understand me. I'm not interested, and I like podcasts because I don't need to see your face, see your eyes rolling, and then suddenly pointing your fingers up to ask me a question that I have to answer. Okay? You have to submit to my statement as an answer to what you would like to ask. Functionality. That the naming calling is to be understood as rendering functional according to the connotation of the given name is evident throughout Genesis 1 and 2. The first example, as I referred to, is the naming of the animals by Adam. And the second one is the naming of the Isha by the man. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken of man. In English it works, the parallelism. In Hebrew it's Ish and Isha. 
This is in Genesis 2.23. And we have a third naming. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And unless you know the original, you cannot hear the connection, which is Hawa and Hayim, mother of all living, Hawa, Hayim. In this regard, it is important to notice that the naming heard in days 1 and 3 occurs in Genesis 1 only once more in conjunction with the heavens that God made. And God made the firmament and he called the firmament. So you see, the author is technical. He didn't say, and God named the firmament because the firmament was not there. But with the waters and the darkness, they were there. He just named them. This finding corroborates my earlier comments on heavens, whose function is viewed by the author from the perspective of their relation to the earth dry land, in that they, the heavens, are the source of life-giving rain that is nothing else than the pouring down of the waters above through the windows of the firmament, as we heard in Genesis 7 and 8. The primary function of the heavens as being in purview of the earth and life on it that revolves around the daily cycle of light is evident already in the description of day four. And God said that there be lights in the firmaments of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, and for days and years. You can hear it. Then, and let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, which is repeated, and God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness. There are the instruments of what God wants and which he already did before. It is phenomenal. So, the heavens, which are looked upon as high, the domain of the gods and power, the author is totally emasculating them. Number one, by not naming the sun and the moon when throughout the Bible they are named. And by not making them as though they are doing something special in the text. Because it's a, technically a repeat of what God did first. It is as though God is training to do what they wanted them to do. He does it before them and then he shows them what to do. It is a phenomenal thing. But then their function is in view of the human and the animals and the vegetation. It is as though he is bringing down the heavens that 
that is looked upon the gods and so on he's totally leveling down on the level of the earth and he's leaving wherever he is that famous Elohim of his that's why when you hear the prophets they make fun of everything the waters and the mountains and the buildings and the power and the gods and the kings they are all put together in Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and on the other side you have the Elohim of scripture and all this according to my hearing reading is already there but if you like as an egg that has to produce the chicken but which came before it's the chicken which is the author don't you ever forget that <laughs> people always argue with me you are not the chicken I'm not the chicken I don't know if God is the chicken but definitely the authors are the chicken <laughs> so I hope uh, people will see that and would apply this to other texts but uh, if you hearers are able to make the effort to master this this is incredible because it's an ultra compressed text the bible as literature is a production of the Ephesus school network